Recording started. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Community's Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 541. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my regular co-host, Matt Longeth. Today is Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. Matt, how are you doing today? Eric, I'm well. Lots of shakeups and news events that we've seen. Uh, change up in executive shuffles at Amazon at Rubrik. We have vExpert announcements coming here within the next week or so. Uh, some other news coming in on v- uh, VMworld itself. And maybe most importantly, I somehow managed to launder my AirPods. But how are you, sir? How are things are out there? And what's the color of the bay? Well, let me tell you, it has gone from winter and storm to beautiful sunny weather today. So the, the color of the bay is just a light green, smooth and glassy because it just got to be a beautiful, beautiful day in uh, Northern California. We went from winter to nice. So uh, yeah, but a lot going on. The year has started. VMware's calendar year starts uh, February 1st. So it is now officially 2021. New budgets kick off. Lots of exciting things going to be happening. And we'll we'll mention a little bit about the, uh, the event coming up uh, future net uh, so we can talk about that but uh, Matt you mentioned a couple things here as we got started V experts and a little bit VM world why don't you take us through the news so V expert we're expecting those announcements to go out on the 11th so that will be next Thursday February the, the 11th again uh, if you're just catching up to, to all things V expert if you were a V expert for 2020 and reapplied because of the pandemic situation, uh, you will automatically be carried forward for 2021. Net new applicants were reviewed just as normal through the diligent process that we go through. So expect those process there are the uh, notifications for those announcements to go out on Thursday the 11th. And then also some VMworld news. We, we had spoke about that on our last couple of episodes that. The event itself will be virtual for 2021. And we had seen a, a blog post coming out from the, the, that team that the event itself will be taking place October 5th through 7th this year, 5th through 7th, uh, again, in a virtualized format. So we have that to look forward to. And I'm sure that there'll be a ton of innovation uh, from that platform and excited to see where that's going to take us. Nice, nice. Yeah, all right. So October fifth through seventh. Trying to remember how that compared to last year. Uh, if I remember right, it was kind of about that same time period. Uh, maybe a little bit later in the in the in October, but uh, sounds good. So we'll be ramping up everything that's going on with community virtual booths, all the rest of the stuff that's happening. So that should be exciting, and it's good that they set that date. I'm glad that they were able to VMware was able to get a date set, and uh, and we can march forward with that even though we're not through with uh, all the pandemic stuff. And of course, thanks to all the V experts uh, who are out, uh, did all the voting and all that. So we're excited for the V expert pro to have that all wrapped up and uh, announcing V experts for 2021. And hopefully we'll, we'll all be able to get out and do a little bit more uh, kind of guiding the community this year versus last. So excited on the show today, getting to the show, we're going to be talking about edge cluster design for vSphere with Tanzu networking. You know, we have the future net, 
uh, conference coming up. Uh, we're going to let people know how to go register for that. And on uh, on the show today, we have Raymond de Jong. Uh, he is a VCDX 284, a staff solution architect um, for VMware. And he also has uh, a blog article out on this topic. So we thought we would uh, take you through his blog uh, and uh, let him tell us about the topic. I know it's, you know, as we've got vSphere 7 Kubernetes, you know, the network fabric is is just as important as Kubernetes itself these days. And so uh, having Raymond Ray, as we know him, uh, take us through his his blog and a little bit of the architecture, thought that would be a, a great show for today. So uh, Ray, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, how long you've been at VMware, and what does your career arc look like? Hey, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Raymond de Jong. I'm from the Netherlands. I've been about five and a half years in VMware right now. I started in professional services. First started with uh, vSphere, vSun technology, then worked to, then we needed more uh, NSXV consultants. So I uh, started working with NSXV and then NSXT came around and uh, I was lucky to be one of the first working on that uh, product as well in PSO. And then I saw opportunities to move to uh, what was back then the uh, NSBU software, uh, so, sorry, the NSBU solution architects, uh, which were on the spearhead of NSXT technology and features. I uh, did a lot of testing, worked with a lot of customers on NSXT with, uh, with the latest features. And uh, right now I'm in the customer success team and uh, we are working with VCF, integration with NSXT and obviously integration with technologies like multi-cloud VMC on iOS, but also uh, Tenzu. Nice, nice. Well, we got a shout out. Uh, so shout out to you on uh, your blog. I do uh, Cloud Extreme with an X, T-R-E-M-E dot I-N-F-O. Uh, great blog. How long have you been blogging? Uh, thanks. Yeah, um, for several years um, when I started at VMware. I'm not a regular blogger, I would say. You know, I'm not blogging every week. It's it's about when something new is, is around and I discover or test it and I find it useful to put it up, uh, I blog. But um, I try to, to blog about stuff which is not blogged before about, right? So um, I'm not a regular blogger, but uh, try to, uh, to uh, contribute that way, yeah. And Ray, did this particular article come from a, a, just a test case, something that you were practicing out as a POC, or was there actually some, some customer design behind this? So, um, so when I was in the in the NSBU software, uh, sorry, NSBU solution architect team, we, we had a lot of interaction with BU, and we really saw a lot of use cases from real customer environments, and and this is just one example is that we work with the BU about possible supported topologies for vSphere with Tanzu and NSXT, right? So it's fairly new technology. Um, big companies running Tenzu worry about network, obviously, because they want most likely want some kind of security boundary or have some requirements in terms of performance and scale and where to connect to, right? You don't want to have your test uh, cloud native apps to be able to connect everywhere. And then NSXT becomes a, a big deal, right? Uh, Tenzu is awesome, uh, but NSXT is important for you to integrate with your, uh, your com with the company's uh, network. So this is just yet another uh, I would say uh, testing and, and talking with the BU what's possible and then putting it into uh, into some diagrams and some uh, some some options if you like some design options 
and, and this is hopefully something we can uh, can share in the future as well in design guides or, or similar material. So I see five options here and of those five yeah. options, do you want to work us through um, perhaps the, the most common of those or, or what you've seen that might be possibly adopted the most and, and why that's the case? Yeah, do you want me to share my screen and go through the block and, and then go through the options? Sure, that would yeah. be fine. Okay, cool. Um, let me... Also so if, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to see what he's sharing with us, you can go to uh, youtube.com slash V barbecue, B-A-R-B-U-C-U-E, something. I don't know. And again, if you're listening along, I'd like to read the article at uh, Future Point. It's available at cloudextreme.info, and extreme is X-T-R-E-M-E. So can you see my screen? Sure. Why don't you go, go? Go there. It is okay. There we go. So uh, let me find the article. So the latest news is actually that there will be an update on the article because uh, they recently, the re recent release, they uh, they changed it a bit, but it's still valid for uh, let's say uh, uh, not the latest of latest and greatest vSphere, but um, I will explain what what has changed. So the latest vSphere version with. Um, with uh, uh, NSX3 integration, uh, make sure that each and every namespace gets a dedicated tier one. So in this picture, it's a shared tier one, but with the latest release, it will be a dedicated tier one. Um, um, perhaps it's better if I share uh, this deck instead, because that's the, the new topology. So every customer, starting with uh, vSphere with Tanzu on NSX3, is most likely to start with this topology. So this is, you know, right now the most common topology we see is, is, is for customers starting with Tanzu doing a proof of concept or just deploy their first supervisor cluster. And um, and therefore you need obviously NSXT installed, your edge nodes installed, an edge cluster configured, and a tier zero configured on that edge cluster, which connects to your physical network. Is there a minimum version of NST, excuse me, NSXT that supports Tanzu at this point? Um, I worked with with it from 3.0. Um, I don't know on top of my head what's the earliest version. I think it's 3.0, but you might want to check the compatibility guide uh, there. Sure. Um, so obviously your host, where you run to work, run your workloads on, needs to be prepared. And then you're ready to deploy your first supervisor cluster. And when you configure a supervisor cluster, you basically point it to an edge cluster. And once you've done that, it automatically finds the tier zero it needs to connect to and then do the auto, auto configuration there. So each given namespace you deploy in a supervisor cluster will get a dedicated tier one, which is, uh, is uh, giving you network separation. And obviously each tier one also hosts um, egress and ingress for your cloud native apps. That means that we have a load balancer instance and we do network address translation north, south, and possibly, and obviously firewalling to an in, inside your namespaces and uh, internally external traffic from and to your namespace. So what's important to know in terms of scale is that Given in a supervisor cluster, we create can create with a single edge cluster up to 200 namespaces. Obviously, in a namespace, you can deploy uh, guest clusters to, to have namespaces in there. But if you want vSphere namespaces, you can have 200 
namespaces per edge cluster. And the reason being is that you have uh, edge nodes, which supports up to 40 small load balance instances with 10 uh, edge nodes in an edge cluster. You have uh, 400 slots, but you do obviously active standby, which makes 200 load balancing instances. So keep that in mind. So if you are expanding your supervisor clusters and you want to add another supervisor cluster, you could um, create that supervisor cluster and use the same shared edge cluster if you like. And this really depends on how many um, namespaces you need in a supervisor cluster. And this obviously saves some resources in terms of required edge nodes in your edge cluster. Is there um, a limit right now for super, uh, the number of namespaces that are available per supervisor cluster? Uh, most likely, yes. I don't know the limit on the supervisor cluster level. Okay, so for this particular example, so th this would be more of, a, of an HA, like an HA pair of the supervisor cluster for the, the workload domains? Yeah, so so um, um, each tier zero, tier one, sorry, has a, is, has an active standby uh, uh, piece, right, in your edge nodes. So NSXT will sp spread those instances across your edge cluster. Um, which means you, for each tier one, you have two instances in your edge cluster. And therefore we have up to 200 uh, tier ones we can support for a given supervisor cluster. So in this now, design, if you want, sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. Right okay. So this is more about consolidating edge nodes, sharing an edge cluster, NSXT, sharing the connectivity in the fabric but serving multiple supervisor clusters. Obviously, you need to be aware of scalability limits within that given edge cluster. So if you have specific bandwidth requirements or you see traffic increasing in your supervisor cluster, you may want to separate the pure routing and forwarding traffic from network services like load balancing, network address translation, and such. So what I mean by that is that you can place your tier zero as a centralized consolidate, consolidated north-south egress-ingress point to your physical network, purely having your edge cluster for um, forwarding packets right on your tier zero, and then have an additional edge cluster where you're consolidating resources for load balancing and netting. And that most likely is a bit more CPU, cons uh, is a bit, a bit, bit more uh, CPU consuming uh, kind of uh, resource. So here you have a clear separation from services versus routing forwarding packets. Still uh, considering the limits for uh, a given edge cluster. And I'm assuming the next slide is, well, no, I'm wrong. Yeah. I was thinking that we could <laughs> oh. go to uh, a, a, uh, a load balanced or redundant pair for those load balancing services that are out at that edge cluster that you had just described for routing, perhaps? Um, you mean a multiple edge clusters for routing? Yes. Yeah, I'll come to that, but there are some uh, current limitations I will share as well. Okay. So um, the next model would be obviously if you, this would be your first multi-tenant uh, um, um, container as a service kind of approach where each given supervisor cluster gets a dedicated edge cluster for networking services. And um, so this will scale better, right? You, you can have 
more edge clusters per supervisor cluster, which means you have more namespaces available for the supervisor cluster. Still separating load balancing, uh, networking, network administration, services from forwarding packets on the TSG wall. And then you can, in this case, I'm assuming it's fine to have uh, multiple supervising supervisor clusters to share the same tier zero. So we have a centralized consolidated north-south path for this, uh, for this kind of workloads. That means that um, this X cluster can run on a single cluster and therefore you only need to connect the VLANs you need for north-south traffic to that cluster. If you want a pure multi-tenant kind of design and have restrictive requirements in terms of connectivity, um, you can move on to a topology like this, where you have a dedicated edge cluster for, for each supervisor cluster. So this can be tenant A, tenant B with their own supervisor cluster, or let's say test production. And they have dedicated tier zero, which means you can configure dedicated north-south traffic uh, configuration and connectivity towards your physical network and also for, for production, for example. Um, in this picture, I only draw drew one physical router, but obviously that can be different physical routers to connect to, right? Maybe your production supervisor cluster is on a different rack or different, uh, um, uh, different uh, infrastructure connecting to different top of racks. So you can really make different connectivity, you have different connectivity options there. Um, what it does mean is that in this case, you are sharing um, your edge nodes for resources for your tier zero and your tier ones. And what's not yet possible right now uh, from with using a single transport zone, that is, is to have that separation like you have here, you know, separation of tier zero and tier one and have multi-tenancy. That's currently being developed. So um, that's that's upcoming for future releases. Um, so if you want a pure multi-tenant uh, design, this is the current supported solution right now. Um, if you really want to have similar separation as, as this uh, topology, then I recommend to create different transport zones, but that has caveats of its own. But uh, So it, it really depends on how long you need to wait for that to be uh, available in the product. Um, the reasoning behind that is that the logic to automatically detach um, um, to a tier zero, when you create tier ones for your namespaces and your supervisor cluster, is that it finds it either in the edge cluster as an instance, or it finds it in the transport zone as a distributed router component. And, um, and uh, that's, uh, that's the technology behind it, if you like. So um, I hope that makes sense. So that are currently the five design options we see the most and we currently can support. So if we go back to the, the most, let's call it basic design for the POC, for when we're in, let's call it, intra edge tier within the, the edge cluster itself. Yeah. And we need to sp speak within intra application services. So we would want to, let's look at things like maybe micro seg between those given instances. How is that mm -hmm. handled? So we're seeing here in your diagram and whatnot, we're seeing a lot of north-south traffic. Mm -hmm. So how is east-west traffic handled within the edge services itself? So you, you mean uh, from a namespace to another namespace? Sure, or, uh, another namespace to another namespace or even intra-application within that edge cluster stack. 
Um, so I'm not sure what you mean by inter-application in that edge cluster stack. So, so everything connecting in and out a namespace, let's say you have pods running in this namespace, uh, you are using a load balancer, the load balancer instance created by NSXT. The only way to reach that uh, workloads is through the tier one and the load balancer IP, ingress IP you configure, assuming you, you hide the internal IP addresses of the pods, right? So if we need to have traffic between namespaces, I would say, obviously the distributed firewall for that namespace is on each pod NIC, right? So we can secure pod-to-pod -pod traffic and each namespace is isolated by that sense. So you need to allow that from um, um, from, from your application specs, right? Your, your YAMLs, your, the things you need to, do, to configure. And then you have to expose the port you want to be reachable on, on the namespace. So let's say you want to expose port 80 with service type load balancer, that will instantiate um, an ingress IP on the load balancer on the tier one to be available, to be accessed externally, but also from uh, different tiers, if you like, if you need that, right? So, so then therefore you need to open, export, expose the ports. And um, from a tier one, uh, from the dark blue namespace, traffic could traverse through the tier one. And then in the edge nodes, um, since it's a, a, a stateful service on the tier one, it will reach the edge nodes for, it will be forwarded to the tier zero in the edge nodes and then forwarded back into the tier one SR, so the services router. And then it can be sent inbound to the distributed router and the workloads on the host. Does that make sense? It does. So for these particular applications, so, so what have you seen as far as real world use cases, even for just to, to build out the simple POC as we see with just a single supervisor and single edge cluster? Where, what's the, the business drivers behind this or, or where do you see uh, a customer particularly leaping into this? Um, so, so I don't have recent customer uh, ex experience with um, with this kind of topologies. What I do see with NSXT with with container workloads in, in in that sense is that the challenges come where to expose what. Right. Um, most of the time, if they are developing applications, um, you you want to expose the service you're developing in the application to a public uh, space or an application group or, or users in, an, in a corporation. So I work with, for example, uh, a big European um, service provider, which developed apps for their store. And the containers need to be exposed through load balancing instances, through um, you know physical gateways, routers to the physical network. But in the meantime, we also saw that the internal developers came from a different network source. So what was struggling there is what we were struggling with is that to be able to maintain that, we need to expose different routes, if you like, to the network, to different sources and destination, right? Only exposing, let's say, the low balancing IP to, um, to the people working or the people accessing the app. But in the meantime, you also need to expose different things, maybe for for certain developers to be able to reach the environment. That's okay. the most challenging, I think. 
I'm going to I'm going to take it back up a level cuz I'm, you know, I I try to struggle listening to this stuff without looking at the slides and some of the guys that are on listening to the podcast. A lot of us guys are uh, in our cars listening to the podcast and won't get mm-hmm. to see this, but uh, mm-hmm. from the, you know, the simple case down to these five options from a hardware perspective, like how does this scale? What do I need to put in place? How am I specking out this environment? I know you've talked, you know, the the edge cluster and then, you know, the the architecture, the tiers. Um, but from a high level, what does it look like from a hardware perspective? Uh, and then from a scalability, how many worker nodes am I going to be able to get in these type of environments? So, uh, so, so <clears throat> I think uh, at least you need to have some management resources available to be able to run NSX management plane, right? So the NSX team managers, so free VMs. And then uh, for supervisor cluster kind of workloads, it's most likely that the edge nodes themselves will run on top of that supervisor cluster because that's where the, the services are being consumed, right? So you want to have load balancing and net as close as possible to the workloads. If you cons- so, so you need at least, you know, vSphere kind of uh, uh, number of hosts to accommodate things like vSphere HA to have enough space for a given edge node. So an, a large HVM takes quite a lot of resources. You can start with two of them for a for high availability, of course, and both can forward traffic with an active active tier zero. Um, and then basically you can have uh, up to um, uh, 40 namespaces to start with, right? Right. If you need to scale out, you want to add hosts and uh, you can as, add edge node VMs to that cluster to be able to accommodate for more namespaces. Okay, so I guess I get I get that worker nodes. If I'm building a worker, node, I guess it depends on what application I'm running on each worker node. How much what I, what I want to allocate from a, a resource perspective, and I guess each one of those can just be an individual VM running on a host, um, et cetera. Right? I'm, I'm I'm specking out my worker nodes to be just whatever the application needs for each worker node. I would assume. So, so you mean the the vSphere worker nodes in that sense, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking about the. So I don't know the limits of a vSphere cluster with Tenzu. So I'm I'm more an NSX architect. Not, okay. Not a, not, I don't. Right. I'm not right. aware of the vSphere limits, um, but certainly some limits will apply. But each vSphere host will be a worker node. So right. if you need more worker nodes, depending right. on how many pods you need. Okay. The other one that the other question I always have when I'm you know architecting this is like how much network traffic can I expect to have through through this kind of these tiers? Yes, so that depends on a number of factors. First of all, the physical NIC speed of the host you're running uh, on on top of right. the amount of NICs you have. Um, we most commonly see two PNIC or four PNIC kind of uh, clusters, and obviously in in Two PNIC um, clusters, you are sharing the PNICs with management, VMotion, uh, obviously Geneva overlay networking, and north south. So, in this, for example, if you take the simplest design option, this is the most consolidated design uh, um, available, right? You, you're sharing north south traffic with Geneva overlay traffic for NSXT, and also sharing management and VMotion traffic, and perhaps even VSAN if you, if you use that too. So, um, the amount of throughput depends on the speed of the physical NIC. And if you do an active-active design on tier zero, we can scale out to up to eight 
active active uh, instances for that tier zero running on different hosts. So you have more throughput throughout your cluster. So each host can forward traffic north south from a tier zero perspective. So if you have say 10 gig cards, you can have up to 80 gigs of throughput theoretically. Okay, so good. Thank you for that. That makes sense. Um, question for you, uh, when you're deploying this or if you've done maybe some POCs with some customers, right? Um, what are the biggest thing, what are the biggest mistakes that customers tend to make and what should they be watching out for? Um, most common thing is that obviously there's quite a lot of um, um, routing going on, right? So um, when you want to start with Tenzu, you, you, you're really thrilled to get cloud native that's running. You, you want to start with containers. And most likely you have application uh, teams waiting for you to deliver that. And um, what I see the most is that, that NSXT obviously can be fairly... Um, um, it's, it's a product by itself, right? The technology by itself. And it starts with configuring overlay networking and stuff. And and um, what I see the most is network misconfiguration, right? Um, edge nodes not being able to connect with unique through hosts or inabilities to operate the platform because um, um, a lack of the training or enablement. Um, so, so we really want to make sure we, we bridge the gap through between, uh, let's say, the, the general vSphere stuff and, and obviously Tenzu, which is a complex by itself running um, cloud native apps kind of workloads. But if you use NSXT, you, you really want to be ready and prepared and consider how you want to use it, what's important for you and what you need to take care of on the physical network um, for before you get started. So this isn't the place to start learning NSXT, right? Like you, this is you, you now, well, it's fair. It, the, the guides are really good, um, so it's very prescriptive in, in the documentation what you need to create, right? It's it's in terms of NSXT, not the most complex topology, uh, but still you have to have those those requirements, right? Uh, and understand what you need to have traffic between edge nodes and hosts and stuff running, uh, and that's sometimes being forgotten. Ray, are you aware of, let's say that you're an operator now that's just used to traditional workloads and now you've gone through something like Cube Academy or just started to deploy your first <laughs> containers and maybe done mm -hmm. so successfully or gone through Cube.academy and now you want to do that next component, right? Now you want to start to layer in that NSXT. Is there training resources out there that you're aware of or anything that you've gone through personally to through your own learning journey of how these integrate that, that are out there that you could share with our listeners? Um, so so what I like very much about uh, Feature with Tenzo is that everything you, you deploy, like, you know, pods, namespaces, uh, service type load balancer, ingress, you see it in vSphere, but you also see it in NSXT being materialized, right? Um, I'm not aware of this specific integration-based training I was planning to do some series about how to operate NSXT with Tanzu uh, and show it how it works. Let's say if you deploy a load balance or what you can expect in NSXT. Um, you definitely can look for, you know, troubleshooting and operation kind of training to really know how to operate the product. Uh, obviously install configure manage for NSXT. Um, um, but the good thing is um, I think um, 
If you look in the UI of NSXT, you see the inventory page. If you look there, you can also see everything related to containers and namespaces. You can see what's attached to a given namespace. Uh, and you can see things like you know uh, interfaces, segments, distributed firewalls. So that would be the first place to look for if, if I were you. Okay. Uh, I have a super high level question, which, uh, I, you know, we, we have Velo Cloud on and they talk about edge networking, right? And the edge word tends to be hyper, hyper loaded here, maybe. What does edge mean when we talk about an edge cluster? It isn't like an external edge kind of what Velo Cloud talks about edge where you're putting a mm -hmm. network out in a bank, right? Versus edge right. in this case. Okay. So an edge node in NSXT is, is just a networking appliance dedicated resources for any logical networking constructs you want to deploy on. So think about load balancing, firewalling, uh, network address translation and such. So it's just a, similar to a vSphere host, but then in networking, hosting networking stuff instead. Got it. Got it. So it's just a, it's really just a container for a set of yes. services and we just call that the edge cluster, right? Okay. Yeah. So a bunch of those nodes, the VM appliances, they, they show as VM appliances form an edge cluster uh, and the cluster by itself is, is obviously there to um, consider HA, right? So they exchange heartbeats with each other. So if you have instances running on a particular edge node and for some reason the host goes down where that edge node is running, the other edge nodes can take over those running services. So as long as we got master architects, VCDX here, hairpinning, does hairpinning come into this? Do I have to worry about routes that are coming from one place to another and whether I'm trapping, you know, doing extra traffic that I don't need to be? So, so um, any multiple traffic is distributed traffic. That's no, there's no hairpinning there. Um, if you look at services, things like load balancing, ingress, network address uh, translation, that's a services router component which is only run on an edge node. So if you need cross namespace connectivity, it will run through the edge nodes. So there could potentially be some hairpinning going on if that edge node is running on a different host or a different cluster. So in the example I showed earlier where you have multiple edge node clusters, or sorry, a single edge node cluster with multiple serving multiple supervised clusters, one of those could potentially hairpin through Fabric to the edge cluster and then come back um, to to another namespace hosted on the same okay. cluster, if that makes sense. Okay, good. Uh, uh, Matt, I got another question. If you want to let me keep going, I'll just keep answering, asking By all means, I, I, so I love where the, we're going the, with this. All right. In the news today, Andy, Andy, what's his name? Andy uh, Jasso, right? Is was announced yesterday that he's going to take over Amazon. Uh, Jeff Bezos is going to resign. Uh, is going to be pumped up to, you know, on the board, and then he's going to take over. So AWS Cloud is always in our in our minds here. And Andy used to work at VMware, so that's kind of an interesting scenario playing out. When we talk about AWS and cloud, right? Like does um, does NSXT, it's, I assume it's available for in Cloud Foundation. Uh, I can run this across uh, from a Amazon to my data center. That's how we're selling, you know, network fabric setup. 
does any of this is this apply? I assume I could probably set this up at AWS on VMC on AWS if I get Cloud Foundation payload. Uh, are you seeing anybody connect things through cloud or do any of this on cloud services, or are we just way too early for any of that kind of work? So it's really, is there a cloud play in this conversation? That's super high level question. Like, have you seen anybody doing this at AWS or in the cloud? Myself, no, not yet, no. Okay. But I've heard it's a really common uh, thing, yeah, to, to have that question, yeah. Because I was just wondering, like, okay, so we have our architecture here, right? Right, which is how you NSXT. This is how we want to build a, a Kubernetes network. Uh, just wondering how that differentiates between what we're doing and what people are getting exposed to on AWS. And maybe we'll just—that's another topic. We'll bring somebody in to talk about, you know, like how how networking configuration is happening in AWS versus how we're doing it in the data center. And this is in the data center, and that's fine. Um, just was curious whether there was a. Yeah, any story there, but doesn't sound like there is yet. Too early. All right. Uh, the other things that we do, I know we've been going for maybe uh, maybe 35, 40 minutes here. Um, we we have the FutureNet. I should do a shout out to FutureNet, and then we'll talk about what's going to happen this year from a training perspective, where to learn things. So FutureNet is going to be, let me get my notes up here. Uh, March 23rd, I believe. March 23rd. Yeah. Yep, March 23rd, I believe you. My notes are somewhere deep behind a screen. Oh, there they are. Yeah, March 23rd, good. Uh, you can go to future-net.com and go register for that event. So I will say, if you want to learn about networking and learn about the future of networking, uh, VMware helps sponsor this. But it's, I think we only have two speakers at FutureNet this year. Uh, the other speakers, it's going to be an all-day kind of online conference. Uh, there are speakers on, from all different companies talking about the future of networking technology. And I think we have two people going to be talking at FutureNet, FutureNet uh, VMware, but all the other speakers are, you know, industry speakers. So do a shout out there. You can also go to vmware.com slash FutureNet, uh, all one word. And uh, we, have a, we have a page that talks about what's going to be happening there. March 23rd, go register. It's all day, should be a great learning experience. And then speaking about learning experience, Ray, um, where do we point people that want to get started? Is there, you know, I know you talked a little bit about some of the documentation that's out there. Maybe we could just do pointers to documentation. And then are, is, are there good places to go pay attention to these topics, um, websites or other places? Where do people get trained to start, to, you know, and I, I guess you can always go to community, the MTN, and ask questions. If you get stuck, there are people there. Uh, what can we talk about with regard to what's the best way to, you know, engage with people and, and do some learning here? So I would definitely start with the uh, vSphere documentation site, um, which from start to finish explains what you need to set up for NSXT and uh, in vSphere with Tenzu um, to get your first workload management or your first supervised cluster going. Um, um, I'm not a Kubernetes expert, but on Kubernetes, I did a bit of Linux Academy classes. So, um, so I understand it that. And obviously um, work with NSXT if you're very, very uh, networking folks or need to need to have those requirements on the physical network make sure you you understand nsxt and uh, get some training there 
Yeah, so we should just say that our last podcast, which was, uh, I think, 540, talks about Cube Academy Pro. So if you haven't listened to that one yet, uh, you can go listen there. And they talk about what's available, um, and you can go go sign up for that stuff. It's free. They have advanced classes. I think they have like five advanced classes. You can go learn about Kubernetes and how to build this out. And th- we thought we would have some networking in to talk about how to set up the network as, as well. Um, and then uh, I don't think we're having a... Do we're having a network day anytime. I don't know if we have a networking day where you can go. I know they are doing uh, cloud and, you know, they have the networking, the, the external networking conference, but I'm not sure where else there is engagement around NSXT. But uh, yeah, Matt, any things that uh, strike you as things that we should ask Ray Wise here? Well, well, a couple of things. One, Ray, what's next for your blog? What's what's the new article that you're working on? What can we expect to see here in the coming weeks or, or months mm-hmm. or quarters out on cloudextreme.info? So um, for sure, I'm going to update or place a new article with the latest uh, possibilities with vSphere with Tanzu, uh, where we explain the separation of tier one per namespace. So I will update uh, a post based on that. So for people running the most latest and greatest releases, they are up to speed there. Um, I recently released a, an article about intertap traffic, so for collapsed edge clusters. And like I said earlier, I'm, I might do a bunch of blog posts about how NSXT operates with Tanzu, right? So what I said earlier, if you create a namespace, what can you expect in NSXT and how can you manage and operate that? What happens if you do a load balancer or, or an ingress controller with using vSphere on Tanzu? You will see stuff happening in NSXT, server pools, load balancing instances, ingress IP uh, being allocated from the IP pools and stuff. So I think that could be a good one to expand on and do a series on, perhaps with YouTube demos to show what's going on. So what, what does it look like from the, the NSX management plane after you've made the, the individual yeah. calls? Sure. Sounds yeah. like a, a great series. Cool, thanks. So we do ask, you know, there, there is the community element to this, and I think that we would be remiss if we didn't touch on your BCDX experience just a little bit. So if I may ask, how long did it take? And can you expand a little bit on the process? What made you feel that that was a path that you needed to go down for your career? And uh, just a little bit overall of, of your experience fr- from that certification and, and now that you've achieved it, sir. So I, I, I considered it already in, in, in when I was in PSO. But as you may know, when you're in PSO, you have a hectic life, traveling a lot. I also have family and kids, and, 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 and I really couldn't commit to that commitment back then. Um, you need to spend a lot of hours writing, designing, and you know all that stuff you need to uh, deliver for your for before you can submit your VCDX. Um, but then in uh, in the in the um, customer success team, I got a great opportunity with a customer uh, to work uh, on an NSXT design. I did actually the first VCDX on NSXT, um, so uh, that was uh, something I'm really proud of. And um, with that customer which was obviously pretty early on NSXT. Uh, I got the opportunity to do workshops with them, work on the design, uh, be able to work on the, um, you know, all the required documentation you need to, to deliver. And, uh, and uh, that really got me going. For me, it took a little bit more than six months 
because it just I was in the flow, right? I, I was anyway having to do, do it and and um, got great support from my team and uh, and uh, and, uh, and the customers. So I was able to do it in, uh, in six months and it was uh, quite hard work. A lot of hours spent. Um, obviously, the defense day is uh, interesting by itself. Very happy I passed it in one go. Um, and um, yeah, but it was an amazing experience. I would say I couldn't succeed this without my experience in PSO, I would say, because in PSO days, you know, I did a lot of interesting, met a lot of interesting customers with different use cases, learned how to understand different requirements, constraints, you know, uh, and understand that whole piece. And, and that makes you think on your feet, if you like, right? So um, you really need that hands-on experience in terms of being an architect in front of the customer to be able to successfully defend actually your design. So, um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty good experience from my side, yeah. yeah. Do you see yourself moving to maybe perhaps another one? Or there are so many now that have, that's the next level up, right? Where we have yeah. multiple VC decks across BUs. Do, do you see yourself doing that? Definitely at some point, if I have a nice opportunity. Um, I don't want to do it on a fictive design, right? Fictional design. Um, so if I would, for example, if I would uh, be um, on a nice, sizable engagement with a customer doing uh, Fisir Betanzo, for example, that could be a nice one to submit a defense on for, you know, the uh, the data center virtualization track, for example. So I, I keep it in my mind. I, I am in no rush. I think the second is always a bit easier than your first. Um, um, but yeah, I, nice. I keep it in my mind, yeah. Okay, so one of the questions I have on your on your blog, uh, you also have Design Expert Six Network Virtualization Certification, and I just want to shout out that you don't have to become a VCDX; you can just go get certifications at the same time, which is you know a nicer way to just you know learn everything without having to do a, a whole VCDX app. Right? There are True. there are lighter ways to do this, uh, yeah. and it looks like you've done it right. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. It's been a while ago. It was also tough, but yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice. All right. Well, uh, we are we are coming up to the top of the hour, and I know we got a few minute late start, but uh, but Raymond, uh, thanks for for doing the blog. Your blog is beautiful, by the way. So everybody that's listening, cloudextreme.info, uh, x t r e m e. I I would say that this is one of the nicer. Uh, ways you've put together your articles, right? Very clean. Your graphics are nice. Uh, you do a very, very nice job just taking you through uh, your blog articles. So uh, well done there. Like one of the Thanks. more professional, nice looking blogs and easy Thank to you consume. So you got videos there uh, with screenshots. So uh, definitely one. And you've been at this, looks like from 2015, you have the nice uh, archives links there. So you can see all the articles that you've produced. So uh, if you want to kill a couple hours, uh, go check out cloudextreme.info and, uh, and 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 spend time here this is actually a really really beautiful blog uh any other goals that you have for 2021 i know with covid it's uh there's always challenges here but uh what are your big goals that you want to accomplish we'll we'll go out on this one and matt will let you <laughs> ask him a final question my question is ray what are you what are you trying to accomplish in 2021 so uh, I need to focus more on multi-cloud kind of solutions. Uh, we see more and more customers uh, asking us about that. Um, I'm relatively new. I did some AWS trading in the past, but I really need to revisit that to, to really be ready uh, 
you know, discussing that uh, technology with the customer. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm planning to, you know, I come from a vSphere and a 6D background, but I want, really want to more understand the cloud native or let's say the application side of the story, right? Um, and then I mean, you know, I, I'm able to do the basic Kubernetes um, stuff, right? I can deploy a, a, an ingress controller or a, a service type load balancer. I want to understand it a bit deeper. So I might do the, the Google Kubernetes, uh, the CKA certification for fun. And I nice. really like Terraform as well. So uh, I have some blog posts about Terraform. I, I find Terraform amazing how, how easy it is to, to get stuff done in, in vSphere and NSXT. And I know multi-cloud also supports Terraform. So I'm looking forward to, to dive into that as well. Matt, a, a great answer like, like that. And uh, it, it, I also feel like, oh, my God, you're not a god. You have things you want to try to learn next year, which is, it's just, which is awesome. Keep learning. <laughs> going yeah, exactly. on, keep learning. Matt, yeah. any last comments? Yeah, sure. Ray, for our listeners out there, if you wouldn't mind, what is your Twitter handle, sir? If they would like to follow you along and get updates on those blog posts as they're coming along and your comments in, on the Twitter sphere in general. It's at uh, the young Raymond's. Can you spell that out for us? So at uh, Delta Echo Juliet, Oscar November Golf, uh, Romeo Alpha Yankee, Mike Oscar November Delta. Fantastic. A great <laughs> point for all things NSX. All right. Well, yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, all right. Well, we'll transition the last two minutes of the show. We'll do V Barbecue. I don't see Tony Foster on uh, talk show today, so I will just go it alone. Uh, it is Super Bowl weekend here in the United States, right? Uh, we're coming up that, so we are going to be doing uh, hot wings. So we, you can go buy on online the hot wing sauce for, for good hot wings, right? And get the nice orange sauce. That you can go buy that stuff bottled up, ready to go. Then all you do is... Uh, Put your, your chicken wings on the grill, uh, grill them up, get them charcoaly, and then just put them in a bowl, put the sauce on, and mix it all up. And you are good for high-quality chicken wings, Matt. I, I am you right. did it wrong, Eric. You did it wrong. You have to, to bake the wings on the grill, then dip them in sauce. Then you throw the wings that have been sauced back on the grill to get that little bit of now char and caramelization no. to the uh, sauce. No, no, I don't want that. Then no, you I consume. want them. I like There's the wet your drippy. Right there is uh, your YAML file for wing build. So <laughs> I want mine wet and drippy. Uh, and, and then some blue cheese and uh, celery always goes well. Uh, Matt, who are you going for? Are you going for Tampa or are you going for uh, Kansas City? Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. Anybody that wins is good enough for me. That's the so we always be a winner. Just say you were for the winner of the winner for sure. Ray, thanks a lot for being on the show. Matt, thanks as well. Uh, shout out to Julia Klaus. Julia, thanks for doing the recordings and uh, keeping us uh, going every week. Uh, we're, we know we've reached out to uh, invite several other people. I think we're going to have Mike Hume on. They're going to be doing a cloud and native apps uh, launch coming up. And so we're going to bring uh, Mike on to talk about what's, what's happening in 2021 with cloud and native apps. So look forward to that next week. And we'll continue Continue on. They're trying to get every week this week done to a podcast every week. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you.